Welcome to Hope Community Podcast. It's great to have you join us today listening online. We pray you'll be impacted by our message this week. Enjoy. It's lovely to be here. Now, just before you go, young lady, I just need you to stand there for me. You're not in trouble. No, 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 you're all right. Um, and, and we've got Yolandi over here. Where is Yolandi? Wonderful. I'm just looking at this and going, okay, I'm going to need to talk to Yolandi because there's probably a big story about that. You see the crown there. Always remember as a boy, crown him with many crowns. Who's old enough to remember that? Crown him with many crowns, the lamb upon his throne. Ah. Come on, doesn't that get the hair on the back of your... Yeah, come on. What's your name, young lady? Liv. Liv. Uh, Father, in the name of Jesus, I set Liv aside in obedience to what your Spirit said. And I want to thank you for her and bless her in the name of Jesus. And I want to say, Lord... How good it is to see the evidence of your spirit etched into the lovely face of this young woman. Bless her, Lord, and encourage her and speak a word of grace into her heart today in a a special way. Now, here's what the Lord said, Liz, Liv. There is an element of your inheritance in Christ which is bubbling up to the top now. Uh, And it's going to be, I think, um, such a significant stage of your life. You're going to look back on your 20s, whatever you are. (laughs) (laughs) Some prophet I turned out to be, right? Um, Father, I just thank you. Yeah, there's there's an, an element of your inheritance. You've had this since, this promise has been on your life for so long. And when I looked at you this morning, I said, Lord, that sister looks as if she's in a really sweet space. And, and he said, yes, it's because something she's been waiting for for a long time is finally coming to the surface. So we rejoice, don't we, as you God's people. The Lord bless you and encourage you today. It's great to see you. So Yolandi, I'm loving what you're doing, but where are you? There you are. Hey, Yolandi, come over here because I'm... Because I'm only here this week. Come on, humour me. Hey, Yolandi, thank you. We love what you're doing. So tell us a little bit. Tell me a little bit. These guys, you probably know, right? No, no, no. Okay, okay. This is Yolandi. Hello, Yolandi. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. So tell me just a little bit about this. So it was about the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Wow. Yeah. 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 And how he reigns over it and how it's royal. His blood is royal. Yeah. 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 How good is that? Thank you, Yolandi. The Lord bless you. I love to see people um, develop and and do that. Yeah, my wife is with me today. I'm very grateful to have her with me. Um, uh, Always, you know, of all the people in the world, dear girl, she's been listening to me preach for 41 years. She's paid a terrible price because... Because I can remember some of the things I used to preach and go, oh, dear Lord. My favourite preacher. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No pressure. Sharon is retired now. Um, And uh, she's retired. Yeah, she's retired. She's been a chaplain for a number of years, but she's retired now. And uh, she is experimenting with what that means. And one of the things she's, she does is she has about 20 women come to our home each week and uh, they've all been impacted by the mandates in one way or another. And uh, she's done a, doing this work among them, building a, a community of faith in people that are really dislocated generally and dislocated from the church as well. So it's, it's just really important to build a bridge and that's what my wife does. Plus she's a grandmother and that's serious as well. Yeah, anyway. Before I just, before I just share this, I want you to stand with me and um, I'm, going to, I'm going to decree a few things and, and I don't want you standing there like Baptists enjoying it on the inside. <laughs> I, I want you to join in with me giving thanks, all right? And uh, I'm going to cite a whole bunch of things that God has done. And uh, 
yeah, I just feel this is really important. Father, in the name of Jesus, we wanna thank You today that we are called in Christ, that we have redemption in Christ, that we reign in life by Christ, that we are alive unto You in Christ, that we have eternal life through Christ, that we are joint heirs with Christ, that we are sanctified in Christ, that our bodies are members of Christ. We have victory in Christ. We triumph in Christ. We are new creatures in Christ. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. We have liberty in Christ. We are crucified with Christ. We have put on Christ. We are heirs of God through Christ. We've been blessed with spiritual blessings in heavenly places with Christ. We've been chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before Him. We have obtained an inheritance in Christ. We've been quickened with Christ. We've been seated in heavenly places places in Christ. We've been created in Christ under good works. We have boldness and access to God in Christ. We rejoice in Christ. We press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ. We are able to do all things through Christ who strengthens us. God supplies all our needs through Christ. Christ who is in us is the hope of glory. We are complete in Christ. We are dead with Christ. We are risen with Christ. Our lives are hidden with Christ in God. We have the mind of Christ. We are partakers of Christ. We are preserved in Christ. And we just say, thank You, Lord. In the Name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We didn't do too bad. You can sit down now. Well, you know, being in Christ is a wonderful thing, isn't it? And the Bible speaks to us in so many ways, doesn't it? And uh, when you come into Christ, you, you come into a deep joy. Have you noticed that? A deep abiding joy that makes you, that holds you when things are going awry. A, a, a vibrant faith, a soundness in emotional and mental health, a provision for every aspect of life, a transformation that builds life for the people around you. It's a wonderful thing. It's a beautiful thing. But I'm, I've been around this a long time now and I know and when we come into Christ by faith, one of the toughest things then is for us to walk consistently in that. Who has noticed in their lives that things have come up and uh, the, the nasty habit of some of these things is that they actually, you, they actually start to script who you are. And, and the very thing that Christ has invested in you, His full inheritance, the, the full joy, the deep joy, the vibrant faith, the mental health, the emotional health, the physical health, the spiritual, you, you know, all those things that we have in Christ, this deep, wonderful inheritance that we have in Christ, not by works, lest any man should boast, amen? amen. But only by the blood of Christ. Only by the blood of Christ that we come into this inheritance. But I know that there's been over the years as I've observed that so many things which have robbed Christians of the ability to walk in that grace. And, and so what happens is Christians don't look any different to anyone else. And yet they are different. And one of the things that you probably know already it's the frustration that causes. Because you see in yourself, this is not who I am. I don't want to act out like this. And yet I feel myself bound in it, trapped in it. But this is not who I am. The 21st century, I remember I was praying about this probably two years ago now just as COVID was starting. And uh, I remember the Lord showing me, because I was reading a, uh, a, a piece by um, Alan Creeder called The Patient Ferment of the Early Church. And, uh, and I remember reflecting on something he had written. And the Holy Spirit said, son, he said, the 21st century will be a lot like the second century. In fact, 
from the second century. No century has been like it since until now. And the interesting thing about the second century is that there were few churches in terms of buildings. There were few organisations that were Christian. It was quite likely you would be under persecution. It was quite likely you would be hiding your faith from the knowledge of others. And yet, in that century, because of the ministry of women mainly, and slaves, because they were sent around the Roman to the edges of the Roman Empire, and also travelling business people, the message got out, not so much through the preaching, although there was preaching and good apologists emerging in that century, but it was because of the way they lived that people looked at them and said. I don't think I like this whole idea of Christians. I'm not sure about who they are, but I see the way they live and I can't help but say I want that. But you see, my dear friends, when you look at Christians and in the church today, our divorce rates within the church are exactly the same as the divorce rates outside. Our mental health issues are exactly the same inside the church as they are outside. Our breakdowns in terms of relationships, the way we split with one another over almost anything is exactly the same outside the church as it is in. We are as fraught with our own fears within the church as we are without. And yet we are the people who are in Christ. And so this whole thing about coming into the fullness of who you are in Christ and the liberty which He brings to live consistently and authentically in front of Australians, that's going to be so important in this century. To live authentically in front of them so that they, they go, oh, there's something about that person, the way they live. I can't get away from it. I keep watching them. Why is it that I keep watching them? They're Christian. I didn't think those guys had anything for us. And yet we are in Christ. There are 5.3 million reasons why we need to allow God to walk in the liberty we have in Christ. And they're all Queenslanders. And all the evidence we have points to the fact that in order for us to impact our society, we are probably going to need at least one really strong, healthy church per every thousand people. That means we're going to need a lot, a lot of churches. But most of all, we're not going to get churches by simply sort of starting them, sending church planters out and starting them. This is going to have to be because ordinary Christian people start living in the fullness of who they actually are in Christ Jesus. Listen to all those things where we have an inheritance in Christ. Well, good oh, you know, I've always wanted to have a rich, you know, benefactor. <laughs> you know, I come from poor backgrounds, so, you know, when the, when the will is read, there's not a lot to share. You know what I'm saying? When there's some people, you know, they have rich rallies. Whoa, good oh. Something to look forward to. Yeah. When are they going? <laughs> I don't, didn't think that out loud, did I? <laughs> well, you know, you, you know that, that idea of, oh, well, you know, you know, I've got a millionaire father. Behave myself, you know, hang around. 
it's looking good. And yet when you think our, our Heavenly Father has invested in us, in Christ, an inheritance which abounds unto life. Wow. And so if anyone is supposed to be living differently, it's us. And yet what can happen to us is we get waylaid and there are two significant life experiences that I've found can actually divert us from the fullness of the inheritance we have in Christ. One of them is shame bearing and the other is offence taking. And I want to just briefly look at that. All right. And then we're going to pray for each other so that we can walk in the fullness. Look, there does not need to be many who walk in the fullness of this. But if everyone in this room started to walk in the fullness of it, you'd experience the difference before the end of the week. Because the fullness of the life of Christ is extraordinary. And when we start flowing in it, not, rest, not distracted by our past or, or things going on around us, and we live in the liberty of that, we become people who are discernibly different. The kind of Australians that will cause other Australians to look and say, now that's what I thought it was. Not the institution. We love, we love the church. We, we love it, but we know of all its weaknesses and so on. But yet, living in the liberty of it, right in front of our workmates or our, our parents or our, our neighbours or, or our schoolmates or, or our university friends or our, and so on. And so we, we begin to walk in the fullness of this. I'm, I am so thrilled to know that those 5.3 million Queenslanders, oh, by the way, we need about 5,000 churches. We've got barely 1,000. And one of the main reasons why, no, I mean all the church, right? One of the main reasons why we don't <coughs> is because church planting is the action of disciples, not churches. Disciples who are called by God randomly, apparently, <laughs> and yet urged to share the good news by living authentically and telling them the right story so that others can share in the goodness. There's a lot to be done, friends. And the last thing we need to be doing is to be distracted by shame and offence taking. And in the body of Christ, I believe if we can come free, completely free, of this shame bearing and offence taking, we will be a long way down the road toward being the kind of people who will make Australians look again. They're not looking at the moment, not in our direction. They don't believe there's anything here that they can use or would be valuable to them. <coughs> it's only going to be a matter of time before you and I in this liberty we have in Christ, walking in the fullness of it, in the power of it, we begin to show that there is something for them to be looking in our direction about. So let me go through this real quickly. I'm not a trained professional. I've only had pastoral experience. But I've come to see over those years that shame bearing is the decision to take on shame for my failure or to take on fault for the actions taken by someone else towards me. And so we've got, we've got abuse issues in this country that are tragic and they're in the church to our shame, correct? And yet I don't want us to bear shame for that. I want us to actually recognise that whether you actually bear shame today for what you've done or you bear shame today for what someone has done to you, the good news of the Gospel is that because you are in Christ, you don't have to live like that. You have a choice and you can choose not to bear shame. <clears throat> and uh, I don't know what, what, you, what it's been like for you, but there are some people in this room, I'm absolutely sure, 
actually have buried in the background of their thinking, shame. And they don't wanna talk about it and they don't want people to know and I don't blame them. And I'm not a counsellor, so I can't walk it out with you. But I know this, that I know a God who sent His Son Jesus to die and to shed His blood precisely because He knew that shame bearing would wear you out and rob you of your joy. And so you who are in Christ by faith, not because you earned it, but because you believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you need not bear your shame. You need not live in it. You may be able to remember what had happened, but there is no reason for you to bear it. For He has completed the work and given you the chance to live free. And now we who are in Christ, we need to say, no, I, I, yes, I did do that. Yes, that did happen to me, but I will not walk in it. I will not walk in it because I am redeemed by the blood of Jesus, because I am in Christ, because I have an inheritance with Him, that I have a liberty in Him, that I have a freedom in Him, that I have life in Him, that I am the righteousness of God in Christ in Him. That none of that tells me who I am. None of it. I know I experienced it. I know I failed. I know what they did to me, but I don't walk in that stuff. That is not who I am. I am in Christ. And that wonderful realisation just kind of sets you free. You kind of find yourself wanting to laugh because, man, how good's this? I completely stuffed up, but the grace of God has set me free and I can walk free. Does it mean I can still remember what happened? Unfortunately, yes. There's one trick God pulls off. I just love the way He pulls it off too. He can forget our sins. I don't know how He does it because I can still remember mine. Is there an amen in the house? Yeah, that's me. I can remember what I did. We can remember what we do and that won't go away. There's no way we can run from that. But my friend, isn't it wonderful just to consider that I don't need to walk in shame. I don't need to bear shame. Shame no longer defines me because, not because I've got some, I'm smart and I've just figured it out a way to get rid of it. No, because I'm in Christ. I trusted Him for my sins He set me free. He made me alive in Him and I can choose now. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm not the shame bearer. I don't need to do it. I know it's there. I know I could do it. And sometimes have you noticed how you take it on despite yourself? Yeah, it's a nasty thing. Shame bearing comes in for all sorts of reasons. Sometimes it's your failure. Sometimes it's what somebody does to you and embarrasses you. But who here has had an experience that they can remember even now? They could remember even now. Who has had an experience where they are ashamed of themselves or or ashamed in that experience? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a few of us. It's a damaging thing because we are not, we do not need to. And I mean, it's always been in the Bible story. You've got Adam and Eve, you remember Genesis 3.10. I was ashamed and I hid. The story of Tamar, the daughter of uh, David, you remember? Yeah. And uh, who was raped by her half-brother Ammon. There's the shame of the people of Judah what they felt in exile that's recorded in Isaiah 47.3. There's the shame that Daniel spoke of, experienced by the exiles as well in Daniel 12 verse 2. And then there is that, well, doesn't the Lord Jesus just take your breath away sometimes? Do you remember what it says in Hebrews 12 verse 2? You remember? He, he, 
He experienced, he went through the shame. He despised the cross for the glory that he could see ahead. Isn't he remarkable? I mean, really? I mean, seriously, we should give the man credit, right? I mean, really, who despised the cross, who scorned the shame of it. Why did he do that? Because he knew who he was. He was the son of Almighty God. He was not defined by the cross and what he took on it. He took it on and all the shame and all the sorrow and all the death that went with it, he took it on himself. It did not define him because he was also already the only begotten son of the Father. Isn't that wonderful? He despised it. He said, no, no, no. This doesn't define me. This isn't who I am. I know who I am. I'm the son of the most high God. Just give me three days, I'll be back. (laughs) Yeah, Arnie should have given him credit for that line. (laughs) I'll be back. (laughs) Hallelujah. I mean, seriously, it is good, isn't it? Woo, gee. Hair on the back of my neck. Hallelujah. So there are, this is a, an option for us as those of us who are in Christ. We can, we can choose to stand in the inheritance we have in Christ. We can choose it and be free. It's a remarkable thing. But we can also let ourselves be overwhelmed by it and allow it to define ourselves. And so we, we need to realise that who we are in Christ is a completely different matter. We have victory in Christ. We triumph in Christ. We are new creatures in Christ. Now, I'm probably going to say something now that will cause you to say, oh, he's off. He's off today. Hallelujah. I'm going to pray, Lord, help him. Help him, Jesus. Friends, I have... All my life heard people say we are sinners saved by grace. It's not true. We have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We are new creatures in Christ. When we define ourselves as sinners, we are selling the whole thing short. I'm I'm speaking to you out of my own journey. All my life I've been taught you are a sinner saved by grace. And I've got to tell you, my dear ones, don't do that. I urge you as your brother in Christ, you are in Christ. You are the redeemed of the Lord. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. That's who you are. And when you sell that short, you open yourself up for the killer punch from the the random sides. You should be ashamed. Look at you. You should be ashamed. Look at what you've done. Look at what that person did to you. You are so worthless. That's what people who are worthless get treated like. And that kind of sucker punch will hit you so effectively because you've been selling the whole thing short. Oh, dear ones, stand on this. I am the righteousness of God in Christ, not by works. I can't, I didn't achieve anything. There was nothing I could do that would achieve this. There was no grace on me other than the grace of the Lord Jesus that He put on me. And I have no works. There was nothing I did. And even now there's nothing I can do to sustain it. And yet by His grace, I stand free. And so you begin to see, oh, I mustn't sell this short. I know it seems strange to say I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I mean, you try this for a second, just for a second. Lean over to the person next to you and it'll, be, it'll feel really weird because you're going to say to them, I just wanted to let you know that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. <laughs> just practice doing that to the person. It'll weird you out the first time you do it. But you should do it regularly, you know. I am the right, yeah. Lean over and just casually say that. Yeah. If they happen to be asleep, don't wake them up. You know. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So good. So good. Well, the other one I briefly want to share with you about is this business of offence taking. And that's the decision that believers take to 
assume that the actions of another person toward them or the, uh, the words of another person towards them is actually, um, they take offence at it and they interpret it as offence. And um, the Bible speaks to this as well. And it, it illustrates some of the difficulties that we human beings have with offence taking. The Scriptures say, for example, a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. Who's found that to be so? And in the very next chapter of Proverbs 19, it says, The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger and his glory is to overlook a transgression. The advice of Solomon was, do not take to heart everything people say, lest you hear a servant cursing you. For many times also your heart has known that even you have cursed others. Hear how Paul addressed the matter in 1 Corinthians. Give no offence either to Jew or Greek or to the church of God, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. And above all, our Lord Jesus said, judge not that you be not judged. And if your brother sins against you seven times in a day and seven times he returns to you saying, forgive me, you shall forgive him. Now, I don't know whether you've taken offence in your life. I've lived for a long time, so I've made the mistake a few times. <laughs> Have you made the mistake? Yeah. Have you noticed what happens as soon as you make a mistake? As you make this mistake, have you noticed that as soon as you take offence at something someone has done or said to you, that you bear the wound? Now, that's really frustrating. <clears throat> I've always said to the Lord, Lord, could you fix that? So that if someone opens his mouth, he gets the wound, not me. I don't want to get the wound, right? And then the Lord just says, well, don't take offence. Oh, it's easy for you to say. <laughs> so you can tell I have quite interesting conversations going on inside my head. Perhaps a mental health professional might say, well, <clears throat> let's talk to you about the voices that you're hearing. <clears throat> I'm only slightly crazy. Friends, the, one of the things that would immediately mark us as different to the rest of Australia would be if we never, ever, ever took offence, no matter what somebody said. That would immediately mark us because there's, there's an epidemic of it. Now, I, I can say, used to be in the early 2000s that when Facebook came, right? Facebook? Yeah, I mean, I'll bet if we took all the young people, come on, Come on, don't put, if you, you put your hand up if you've left Facebook and, and looking for something else. Just, there's one or two. Yeah. Well, Facebook used to be a big thing, but then people started to overshare. You notice that? And then people would put something on Facebook and then everybody would take offence at it. And then it got onto TikTok and it got onto Instagram and it got onto... Twitter, right? Social media. I don't know whether it's a blessing or a curse. Maybe it's a bit of both, right? But I've seen people use social media really well, you know, really positively affirming, bringing out the good news about Jesus. It's great. But if you can, if you can see this illustration that we've got an epidemic of offence taking in our country, we can't actually have a conversation almost on any matter because as soon as we open our mouth, we hit, stick our head up above the parapet and say something, everybody jumps all over us. How could you have that view? Don't you know this? And you're an ignorant, you're a bigot. And then the most favourite one is you're a racist. Now, we can't do anything about that, but we can start to change by adopting the alternate culture 
the culture of the kingdom. The culture of the kingdom is we don't take offence. We simply don't. You can say what you like, I refuse to take offence. And what's more, I will speak blessing back. I will speak grace back. I will not ridicule you. You may ridicule me, but I will choose not to take offence and to speak grace to you. Now that would begin to change us significantly within the church. And then it would, I predict, have the effect of making Australians wonder, what kind of people is it that will not take offence? And I tell you what, the only way this works is if you know you are in Christ, that God has done the work. Hallelujah. Not you, you and me, we didn't do the work, did we? We didn't do it. Jesus finished His work on the cross. He he shed His blood. He gave His body. He did the work. We turn to Him, don't we? We put our faith in Him and what He did and He does the work in us. And we receive from Him this, this strength, this inheritance, this grace that enables us not to take offence, no matter what somebody says. And we choose not to do it. We choose not to do it. But what happens to a lot of Christians, either on the basis of shame bearing or offence taking, is that it dilutes and blocks the life of Christ from flowing out. And we begin to feel as though we have no story to tell. But we who are the righteousness of Christ have an enormously important story to tell that God in all His grace decided to forgive our sins when we trust Him. Isn't that great? I mean, seriously, isn't it good? How did He pull that off? I don't know how He did it. I'm just enjoying the fact that He did it. I've tried to understand it. I get those big theological books and think if I can read this, I'll know and understand. No, I've given up now. I've still got the big thick books and I read them, but I laugh and I smile to myself is because, well, I'm not going to know. Please, it's all right, please. Um, There's a grace on us and we can enjoy that. We can enjoy it. We can know it, not necessarily understand it. So here's the punchline, because there's always a punchline, right, in a sermon? Did you know that? It used to be that you had to have three points with illustrations. I've never, never been good at that. But you will know if offence taking and, and shame bearing is a problem for you because you will have lost your joy. You will have lost the assurance of His love. You will have lost the gratitude and thanksgiving instinct, right? The instinct to just be grateful. You'll have lost your sense of peace. And worst of all, you'll have lost the witness of His presence. So you'll know if shame bearing or uh, offence taking has been a problem. But here's the good news. You don't have to panic. Just turn back to Him again and say, Lord, do that deeper work in me because my shame does not define me. Your life does. Amen. And so here's the punchline. If you are somebody who has been, who has actually fallen into offence taking, There are two things you need to do. One is you need to repent, but also the other is you need to contend. If you take offence, no matter how insignificant it is, and if you can recall any instance like this, you can practise on that instance. What you do is you say, Lord, I repent. That is, I turn away from like this. I'm going to illustrate repentance. Remember, I'm walking in this direction. My attitude to what that person said is I'm offended, but I repent today. Right? It's not an emotional thing. You don't have to shed tears. If you want to shed tears, you can. If you're a teary person, please be teary. If you don't like tears and you're a man and you don't cry, that's fine too. Just turn away. Turn. That's the big deal, right? I did have this attitude to that. I take offence at that. How dare you speak to me? How dare you? Yeah, your mother is a hamster and all the rest, right? So, no, I turn. 
I turn and say, no, I'm the righteousness of God. And here's where the contending comes in. You turn, you repent, you turn, you, so you repent. And then you start to contend. Father, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I don't need to do that stuff. I don't need to bear any, any pain that they might intend for me. I don't need to operate out of that. I don't need to be that kind of person because you've set me free. I am the righteousness. I am your righteousness in Christ. Hallelujah. That's where I'm contending. I'm not going to see myself as someone of such insignificance that what somebody says defines me. So we draw a line as God's people. We are in Christ. So we draw the line and say, I do not take offence. Why? Because I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I don't need to take offence. There's no reason for me to take offence. Somebody comes in me and is unhappy with me and says something, yeah, your painting sucks, Yolandi. <laughs> and Yolandi can look at you and say, yes. the Lord bless you. <laughs> right? So we speak grace, we speak favour. Yeah, you go to the coffee cart and the coffee isn't good enough. Yeah, your coffee sucks. Well, the Lord bless you today. I can see that. Just really quickly, I'm not going to keep you, I realise I'm going over time, my apologies. <laughs> the other day I was in a really conservative church and I was, I was prophesying over some folks. They'd never seen it before in their life. So... They were, some of them were having issues with it. And uh, this one guy came up and he had a lot of issues. And he started to hoe into me just after the service. Now, there's nothing better you can do for a preacher than to give them several parts of your mind after they're preached. Hallelujah. And so, you know, Tam, if you're preaching and somebody yeah, gives you a part of their mind, oh, thank you. I, I could use that and augment my own. Thank you very much. Not. Anyway. He comes up and he starts, he starts hoeing into me. He called me for everything. I thought he was going to get to the line about my mother, but he didn't quite get there. But he was unhappy with me. And all the time I'm saying to the Holy Ghost inside, I say, Lord, Lord, how do I handle this? How do I speak to him? So I pictured in my mind, yeah, how dare you? And he got to, you know, prophesy over him. Oh, the Lord will smite you. And yet the Holy Spirit said, when he pauses, say this to him. And it was a simple phrase. Frank, you're my brother in Christ and I can't do this without you. That was what he told me to say. Now, I wish I'd done that more often. Because <laughs> you notice there's two ways you can handle offence. One is you go blah right over them. Who likes to blah? Yeah, there's right. I went, yeah, I'll give you a picture. <laughs> there are some folks that, and then there are the other Christians, right? They don't go blah, and they think they're better Christians because they hold it on the inside and let it eat them out. <laughs> or, that's right, or they go to the phone and they start to speak. Did you know what he said to me? Well, I gave him a piece of my mind in my own mind. Friends, we are in Christ. We don't need to actually go anywhere near offence taking. If we do it by mistake, like if, if we do it, we speak wrongly and someone speaks um, grace back to us, it often quickens something in our hearts, doesn't it? And so we come to this place, the guy speaks to us, the woman speaks to us, the crowd speaks to us, whatever. We don't take offence because we're actually faced in this direction and we walk in it contending, Lord, I will not take offence at that. I refuse to take offence, so I bless them. I grace them. I bring them favour, Lord. Bless them. Help them to have a great day, Lord. Be with them and strengthen them. Give them a grace on their life that they've never known. That's the kind of way we can change Australian society. Consistently doing that can change Australian society. And the other one, really quickly, I promised I'd be quick and I was slow. I would look at the phone, the, the thing is going around like this. 
the shame bearing, if, you've, if you're experiencing shame bearing, there, there's the repentance side of it and that's important. You know, that say, here's the thing that has happened or here's the thing I've done, here's what they've done to me. So I repent, that is to say I look this way, I'm not defining myself that way, I'm defining myself by what God says, right? And so I look, I'm looking unto Him who's the author and perfecter of my faith and I'm moving in His direction and I'm saying, Lord, man, that hurts. That hurts like hell, but you're good and your love endures forever. Your love endures forever. I, and then you start to ask the Lord to be healed. Um, shame bearing is not like offence taking. You have to contend if you got caught in in. Um, in offence taking. But there's no real need to contend so much in this regard. It's asking the Lord to heal you. To come with that balm that He has and heal you. Oh God, I've been carrying this crap for so long. It's eaten out my confidence. Who's noticed that? Shame bearing robs you of your confidence and your joy. And when you feel it, you, you go to church and everyone's happy, clappy, and you just feel like punching somebody. <laughs> and everybody in the prayer group talks about, you know, well, I heard from the Lord yesterday. You think, oh, Jesus. <laughs> but you have this nice smile on your face. Oh, isn't that great? We need to be healed, friends. And what better place than the company of God's people who by faith believe that we are the righteousness of God in Christ, not by any work we may have done, but by His goodness and His decision. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And in that place, we pray for healing for each other. You don't have to tell anyone what happened. You don't have to say, well, you know, I did this on 3rd of October. or this happened to me on the 4th of April. Yeah, it's not like that. You don't tell anyone. You, you, you just come into the house of God and you ask your friends, oh friend, I'm battling with shame. Would you pray for me that I will be healed in the name of Jesus? And so we come as the people of God and we start to experience the liberty we actually do have in Christ. Do you see what I'm saying? <clears throat> Nothing better we can do now as we conclude is to start to pray for one another, to minister healing to one another. Now I'm particularly aware on the offence taking one, there is, there is no need for people to pray for you. You just have to muscle up on that. You have to actually make some decisions. You don't need to have someone pray for you, although... I guess it doesn't hurt you, but the point is you have to make a decision. No, no, I don't do that. And then you say as a church, we don't do it. You put a sign outside, we don't do offence taking, right? Because we don't do it. We just don't do it. But on the matter of shame, we should make this place, this holy place, a safe place for someone to say, I'm battling with shame. Some days it eats me up. I can't get away from it. I pray and I pray and I pray and I pray and I can't get away from it. Now you will have to repent. Repenting in that case is not because of what happened, it's because you allowed it to determine who you were. So turn from that and say, Lord, I realise today that's not who I am. I'm in Christ. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Even though all this has happened to me, Your grace is sufficient for me. And then we ask the Lord for His healing, for His balm on our life. Ooh, and then we're free to live in front of people the in Christ lifestyle. Father, we pray that you receive our thanks, amen, for what you have done in Christ Jesus for us. We have an enormous inheritance because of what our big brother pulled off. We are so grateful to you for him. And we know that your attitude is you want lots of big brothers. You want lots of brothers and sisters for your son. 
And we want to come into the fullness of that and say, thank you, Lord. And as a people, Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit will do a work in us that will move us beyond offence taking and beyond shame bearing and begin to live in the freedom and the life we have in Christ. So Lord, now in these moments, as we begin to pray for folks, Holy Spirit, move so that people can be free. And we pray in the Name of Jesus. Now here's what we're going to do, friends. There's no need for us to have an altar call. There's no need for us to have music playing. This is a time of prayer. There's a good prayer team here. So I'm going to ask, particularly not so much on the offence taking one, I want you to practise that. Because it'll only be a day or so before you get a test. (laughs) There's some amens in the house for that, yeah. But on the matter of shame bearing, I want us to, to make this place a holy place so that people can be healed in the Name of Jesus, that a work can begin to happen to heal them, their hearts and minds, so that they can just with freedom live out the life we have in Christ. So without you closing your eyes and bowing your heads, I want anyone who wants to receive prayer for healing to come so that we can pray for you. And that means you have to get up and you have to come out. So if you want to come, want to do that, you want to come out and make room here. So the, the prayer team are here. If you're wanting prayer, please face this way so we know who's who. Please come around in here. That'll help. Please come around in here, dear. Come around in here. Yeah. The prayer team will face you. Yeah. And if you would like to receive prayer, just face this way. Thank you, Lord. We want to make this place, this church, a safe place. A safe place where people don't have to be lectured. They don't have to be um, people aggressive at them. They just need love. They need the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and they need healing. And so to all you you have come for healing, I want you to rest in the fact that your Father, your Heavenly Father, just loves you. There's no need for you to do anything really except receive it. And so we're going to get the prayer team to pray for you and to minister His grace to you. And all you need to do is receive your healing and say, Lord, heal me today. Heal me today. Finish the work in me today. Praise God. Now, prayer team, if you would start to minister, that's good. Thank you, Lord. And just if you haven't got anyone praying with you at the moment, someone will be with you in a second. Just give a moment. Thank you, Lord. And if you know anyone who is standing up here, if you know anyone, you can... You can start praying for them. Ask the Lord to do that work in them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. It's good. Thank you, Lord. Receive the, be healed in the name of Jesus. Yeah, be healed in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Please pray for them. Please pray for them in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, Father, bless them. Help them, strengthen them in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, bless my friend. Heal her and restore her. And give her a picture in her mind now of her dressed as a bride would be dressed, loved beyond all hope, desired beyond all hope. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
Father, bless my young friend here in the name of Jesus. Encourage her today and bless her and fill her with your spirit. Help her see who she is in Christ. Sweetie, Jesus has a good story. The story is that you are, in his mind, precious beyond worth. Now, living in this world beats the hell out of that sometimes. So you stand your ground and you say, I have permission to say, I am precious beyond worth. And nothing you can say or do will change that. The Lord bless you and encourage you. Yeah, the Lord bless you and encourage you, Lord. Heal and restore in the name of Jesus. Memories and hopes, Lord, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, be sure to hold on this, sweetheart. What, what is your first name, darling? Hannah. Yeah, I, I sense that there's a lot of people like Hannah, absolutely amazing human beings, absolutely amazing human beings. But it's tough living in the world. It's tough. And um, the Holy Spirit showed me Hannah's spirit. It's a gentle spirit. You know, some of us, we don't have a gentle spirit. We just don't care. We just say, well, poor fools them. But there are a lot of people like Hannah who are gentle of spirit. Really beautiful. You're an amazing spirit, my girl. The Lord bless you and help you and encourage you. The Lord encourage you and speak faith to you. Your gentleness of spirit is not an accident. Without people like you, sweetheart, the world is not a good place. All right? So we need you. The Lord bless you and encourage you today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I remember years ago, a woman saying to me she had, she was someone with a really gentle spirit. I don't know whether this is going to happen to you, Hannah, but the Lord gave her a husband. He was a big man, a big bruiser of a man, you know, a big man whose one desire and goal was to protect her. That's a nice thing to do, isn't it? When the Lord gives you a husband that will fight for you and protect you. There's a Good thing, I thought. I complimented the Lord on his planning. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. And here's how this works out, friends. We want to, whilst we need all these churches, and whilst we need all these disciples to be at the Lord's work, mostly we need to change the country. We're not going to change the country by shrieking at them and telling them how bad they are. It's just not going to happen. They don't care what we say. They don't care about our morals. They don't care about our standards. But if we became free enough to live the life we have in Christ, then we would be a grace on this country. A living grace on it. And we Christians would become the people that were for what God was doing all over the country. I think that's a big challenge for us, but what it, it starts here. And, and if you need prayer afterwards, just get someone to pray for you. And if you need prayer this week, get someone to pray for you. But don't, whatever you do, take either offence taking or shame bearing on. Don't take those things on. Let the Lord carry them. I'm gonna tell you a prayer that the, the Holy Spirit taught me years ago when I was facing the how to manage grief. My parents, both of them had died in a motor vehicle accident. It's, it just shattered my life. And my wife here will know how it did that. And I remember, I said, Lord, how am I gonna get through this? And he said, I've got a simple prayer for you to pray. He said, when you go into the surf, what do you do? And I said, well, when the waves are big, I turn my, fat, my back and I face the land and I, and I let the wave pick me up and let me down. 
and then I can turn around and face the waves again. And he said, when you're feeling the wave of grief over you, turn to me and say, I can't handle this. I can't carry it. So you carry it in Jesus' Name. And there were some days when I prayed that prayer a hundred times plus. But after a while, I taught myself how to stand in the liberty I had in Christ. So I pass that on for what it's worth. Thank you very much for coming. I realise I went over time, my dear. dear. You'll have to tell Pastor that I'm sorry. If there's any repentance needed, I shall do it in a fulsome email with with tears and all. Thanks very much and, and for the privilege of being here. Thanks so much for listening to Hope Community Podcasts. We hope you enjoyed today's message and remember to subscribe to the channel to keep up to date. From everyone here at Hope Community, have the best week.